the Backpage Football Podcast. I will love it if we beat them. Love it. When the seagulls follow Chora, it's because they think sardines will be thrown into the sea. And do I say okey-doke all the time? You do. I don't even say it all the time. You say it about, say, 15 times in the programme. <laughs> People are telling us this is a great day for Irish football. Well, it's not difficult to get Trapatoni if you're going to pay him that amount of money. I'll tell you, it's a great day for his accountants and his bankers. I can't believe it. Football, by the hell. BBF. Hello and welcome to this week's Tree the Bed podcast. This week I'm minus Keen and Phil, who are off gallivanting Ireland in these staycation times, but shortly I'll be joined by Oshin McKearns of Punnett Arena and Keen Fahey, who you might be familiar with as an NFL analyst on this side of the pond, but he's also written extensively about the Irish team in recent times for Off the Ball and others, and we'll be discussing Stephen Kenny's opening two games as Ireland manager. We're on McKean Fahey and Oshin McKeerans to dissect Stephen Kenny's first two games as Ireland manager. How are you, lads? Cool, thanks, right, um, So, lads, unless you're bowing into the, the Twitter trolls that didn't really want Kenny there in the first place um, and were only waiting to call everything into question at the very first chance they got, um, what are your initial reactions to the Kenny era? Um, Oshin, I think we'll start with you. Do, you. do you still trust the process? I think, yeah. I think kind of it was always the case of that it was going to be a slow process, as you said. Um, obviously the results speak for themselves they weren't great their performances weren't great but this kind of thing will take time it took time with Martin, or Michael O'Neill at, at Northern Ireland it took time with Ryan Giggs at Wales it'll take time for Kenny to to get his his methods across obviously it's still kind of a weird part of the season I suppose whereby um, players aren't really playing they had what two trainings only a couple of training sessions really to get into it so I suppose we can kind of I don't look for excuses for Kenny, but I suppose it's understandable how the results went, how the performances weren't too great. Um, you kind of have to bear in mind how much he does have to change because it is such a different style to what we were used to under Mick McCarthy, under Martin O'Neill before him as well. So it's it's players kind of trying to buy into something that's completely different. And there's no doubt it will take time. Um, I think the Bulgaria one was disappointed. I thought Bulgaria actually were a little bit better than I think many had anticipated, especially considering how poor they looked against us in, I think it was September, when we beat them 3-1. And I thought Finland were actually quite good. Um, I thought Finland would be quite good. But yeah, I think I think it is a case of trust in the process. I think the base was there in terms of, there was a few passages whereby um, they tried to pass it around, especially from the back. We saw clips on Twitter, I suppose, um, of players trying to pass it out from the back. I think there's still that issue of chance creation. Was it a case that we need someone perhaps playing a little bit further in a number 10 role in the in the two games? I don't know. He has to maybe change something a little bit there. But I think the beauty of Kenny is that I don't think he's afraid to change it, which is what we saw, I suppose, after the Bulgaria game. He wasn't happy with his midfield three. So he just took all three out and brought a, a fresh three in against Finland. Now, OK, maybe it didn't quite work as well as he would have hoped, but the signs are there that he's willing to change it. Um, so, yeah, I think it is a case of just just giving it time um, but you would kind of hope bigger picture that come the Slovakia game next month that there, is, there are improvements but again the, the players will have more time to bet in they'll kind of know what Kenny's, Kenny's all about they'll be fresher as well you'd like to think having played um, played more games obviously in the Premier League and the Championship etc so 
Um, yeah, I suppose it's not. I don't think it's it's panic stations. I've seen as as you mentioned, Kevin. There was, there was a few on Twitter who are kind of who are already a little mm. bit panicky, but I don't think it's. I think it's. It, there's no need for that. I think it it, it was always going to be something that would take time. I think it's it, it's imperative that we give Kenny time. And um, yeah, I don't think it's it's not a it's not a disaster by any means. I don't think. Keen, in your piece um, for off the ball, you said you've come away from these two games um, more confident than ever. Really, that Kenny is the best man for the job. Um, what sort of things did you see that that we can hang our cap on going forward? Well, I think the first thing I kind of have to note with that is I think the Slovakia game is kind of corrupting everyone's mind a little bit because it's created this imperfect storm where we have the Slovakia game and we're kind of treating Mick as if Mick was this massive success last year where he really wasn't. Like, we failed to qualify the direct route. We should have qualified in the direct route. We were bad against Denmark. We had that Gibraltar game you go back to. Obviously, that was at the start of it is, uh, is when he took over. But then you also have the players coming back off of preseason. Like, Matt Doherty came straight off of off of his holiday, signed for Tottenham, then went straight into the training, had two training sessions, and then played, and you could see he wasn't fit. So I think Kenny's really unfortunate so far in the sense that because of the Slovakia game, everyone's expectations and belief and kind of this glossing over of the results were great before when they really weren't has the expectations up. And then the players not being fully fit and not really have any preparation because of COVID has kind of made it impossible for, us to, for him to get those results or get the instant impact he hoped for. In terms of the first two games, obviously it wasn't perfect. It wasn't great. Like There were, there were, there were clear uh, changes in the way we were playing. We were getting the ball down and looking to actually play with it, having three players in central midfield while they were completely uh, unorganised. And you could see at times, like for both of the goals we conceded in the two games, midfielders are out of position, especially Harry Arthur in that second one. He completely jumped out of position, jumped forward to try and win the ball high upfield where he didn't need to, which allowed Finland to get in. And obviously, that, to be fair to them, that goal was created brilliantly. He went down Shane Duffy's channel. Mm. The, the ball across was perfect. And the finish, like, I don't think Ender Stevens could do anything about that. So I'm not really complaining about that. But I, I do think the... The biggest concern I have from the first two games is kind of the concern we had going in, which was how Shane Duffy fit in this team. Because Shane Duffy has obviously been a star for Ireland, but Shane Duffy has played for Ireland teams that sat back and took away all the space. So him winning headers was like a focal point at both ends of the field. And he became the star because of how he towered over and won won the ball in the air. And that's not really the way they're going to play now. If you go back to Kenny at under-21 level, which is kind of where I first started paying close attention to his team. He had Dara O'Shea and Connor Masterson there, obviously two guys who aren't ready to start at senior level, and obviously it's a different level. But you had Dara O'Shea was really aggressive, physical player compared to the under-21s around him, could bring the ball out from the back as well. And then you had Masterson, who was kind of more cultured, more technically refined and more kind of subtle in, in what he was doing. And they were perfect complements to each other. And that, my big concern out of the two games is that Egan and Duffy, I just like, I don't think... They're perfect fits for this. I think Egan's still a very good player. And I just think Duffy gets a little bit lost in what we saw. And maybe like the, the argument is he's not fully fit, and that's fair enough. But I don't think like the, the it's a good argument that he couldn't get enough games for Brighton last year and that he wasn't in, in the preseason, he wasn't played beforehand. I don't think that's enough against what we have in his skill set as a fit with Kenny. Just, Ken, just, just on that, I, I agree completely. But I think it's... I keep, people are kind of now seeing why Graham Potter didn't quite fancy him, I think, um, in, in at Brighton. Because he just doesn't fit that style, like being on the ball, yeah. pushing up the halfway line. It just doesn't suit him at all. And people kind of, I saw a lot of Ireland fans kind of wondering during the season, oh, how come how come Shane Duffy isn't playing brilliant defender, player of the season last season? But when you look at the way Brighton play and you look at the way now Ireland want to play, you can see clearly why someone like a, like an Adam Webster <laughs> or Lewis Dunker or Ben White, who's coming in now, Brighton, suits that style so much better because they're just so much more confident on the ball. 
and especially with Ireland when like the the to me the the, tr- the triangle at the back, the two centre backs and the central midfielder is where my concerns are in the two games because the, like James McCarthy, I thought was fine in Bulgaria passing the ball. I thought he was he had to sell more than anything. Defensively, I thought his position was okay, but Arthur just can't play there. I don't think. And when he's getting exposed in midfield and you've got the centre backs dealing with two up top straight away, it's a problem. You mentioned. Um kind of the, the lack of fitness that Shane Duffy came in and listening to Kevin Doyle on Off the Ball the other day and who made a very good point um, and it's something that you could actually kind of make an excuse for for John Egan as well who looked absolutely gassed um, towards the end of the, the Finland game and you're thinking, you know, like he's played all season for Sheffield United that he should be some reasonably fit but Kevin Doyle made the, the argument that you know, Egan and Duffy are two big men. They're well in excess of six foot. That their f- pre-match fitness or their kind of pre-season fitness is going to take them a long, a lot longer than it would, um, kind of a, a nifty little midfield player to to get back. And the fact that Duffy hasn't been playing at all, um, put means you know his half a yard of pace is going to look uh, uh, even multiplied. Um, and I think that was probably the case for for the for the Bulgaria goal. Yeah. Um, Oshin, um, it's probably you know pr- predicting the future, but if Dar O'Shea makes any sort of impact for West Brom over the next four or five weeks, um, obviously now he's going to be playing in the Premier League. Is is yeah. he going to be uh, considered? I mean, he he was in the squad in, um, not initially, but he was brought in um, a later stage, but didn't make any of the matchday squads. Do you think he could? Um, that he could make a case for for a starting role. I think he could. The, the maybe the issue could be. I know Kenny obviously sees him as a centre back, but the fact that he's going to be playing week in week out, chances are right back for West Brom, and then he'll have to change position going to international level. I think he's a good enough player though that he can do it. He's versatile. Um, but yeah, I mean, as soon as I kind of saw Duffy, I think it was the first, nearly the first minute. I think it was his first touch against Bulgaria. He got the ball, tried to come out, and kind of had a bit of a heavy touch. Mm. The Bulgarian player got in, and he failed the Bulgarian player, and that kind of. From there on out, it was kind of a bit, every time Duffy got the ball, you were kind of holding your breath a little bit. Um, so I kind of do think maybe Duffy's time could be a little bit limited, um, under Kenny especially. And and just to, not because he's a bad defender or not because he doesn't put his, I mean, he puts his body on the line for Ireland so many times and he comes up, he, he comes up clutch so much with brilliant goals. He's great in both boxes. But if Kenny wants to play this kind of passing out from the back style, I think Duffy's just too much of a risk to, to do it long term. And where where Darrell O'Shea kind of fits better would certainly be be, be that kind of style. But um, I'd be interested to see just on Duffy with his move to Celtic now. I suppose he'll kind yeah. of have to get used to playing on the halfway line a little bit more as well because, I mean, Celtic aren't going to... like like Celtic aren't going to be kind of a team that are defending a lot. They're not going to be in their own box a lot. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be a lot of kind of... Duffy, I think he's going to have to... He's going to have to have no choice, I suppose, other than kind of improve his game, improve himself on the ball because... It's going to be the case now at both club level and at both inter- and at international level, should I say? But yeah, I think Daryl Shea probably, um, if he gets a nice run of run of games, a nice run of form for West Brom, obviously be playing right back. But still, um, I think he would definitely find his way his way into that that uh, that back four alongside Egan. And I'd be actually interested to see what he can do alongside Egan because I, I I know Egan, I know he wasn't fantastic in the last two games, and as you say, Kevin, he did look a bit lethargic towards mm. the end of the Finland game. But I, I do think he he he's he fits that style. I think I mean with, with Sheffield United, they obviously played around the back a little bit, and um, not too much. So it wouldn't be like a they wouldn't be kind of a Manchester City or Liverpool, but the, their defenders do like to get on the ball a bit. So I do think Egan has kind of that ability to do it. 
I just thought, I, and the funny thing is, I actually thought he started off really well against Bulgaria. I thought he was one of the better players, and he was one who looked like he could adjust to the way Kenny was playing early. But I, I don't know what happened in the second half. It just kind of faded. Whether he lost confidence, I'm not sure. But I'd be interested to see what Egan and, and O'Shea could maybe do together. Um, but yeah, I think it, it probably is imperative that O'Shea maybe gets a, a few Premier League games under his belt before he uh, before he throws him in. And especially when we consider the Slovakia game, I think it probably might be a little bit too much of a risk, but yeah. too early. But in, in general, yeah, I think I think you're you're probably looking at your future pair and maybe being Daryl O'Shea and John Egan. He's probably the the most unfortunate one because of that Slovakia game because. If you listen to what Slavin Bidic says about Daryl Shea at West Brom, he absolutely loves yeah. him. Mm. And when Kenny had him, he was he was delighted with him too. So, like, if we were talking, like, if we didn't have the Slovakia game to talk about at all, and we were just playing these Nations League games and playing whatever friendlies we have and building over over the, over the long term, I think you'd probably see O'Shea getting played in there. I think one of the big positives for him, like, obviously with centre-backs, you're talking about guys developing after 24, 25, 26, rather than at 20 and 21 because of that physical element. But one of the big positives from these two games that really shocked me, to be honest, was how comfortable Adam Ida was. And like he got a bit of a kicking in Bulgaria, but he kept showing for the ball and he kept, his physical traits came mm. through a lot more than I expected him to. Because while he scored a lot at under-21 and he played well at under-21, I didn't anticipate him being as comfortable as he was against senior international players straight away at such a young age. And O'Shea, I think, is on a similar kind of physical level relative to the under-21s. So if, he, if, if Ida's holding up relatively well as a striker... Hopefully that's a positive sign for O'Shea as well in a similar position at the other end of the pitch. It wasn't all doom and gloom, um, of course. And I think if we had to kind of pick out one player, um, it would be Aaron Connolly, where you look and think, yeah, um, a little bit more time in the team, um, some more f- familiarity in the system. Um, I feel at times, I don't know, was it his doing or was it Kenny's doing? But he was very, very wide and he was kind of, um, too married to the touchline at times and I felt that he was kind of a little bit out of the game as such um, but he could be a real game changer for us um, and Keen, you've said that he, kind of, he played in an arrogance for the under-21s that hasn't really translated to the seniors yet what did you mean by that? Well, I, I remember watching him in the under-21s in a couple of different games and uh, it wasn't the, I can't remember the specific it was one of the lesser teams in their group it wasn't the Italy game but literally as soon as the ball came to him every single time every opportunity he was turning in front of the the fullback and trying to have a go at him. And obviously, a step up from under-21 level to senior level, you're not going to be able to do that. Mm. But it felt at times in the game he was a little bit tentative. He was a little bit too willing to play the ball back or just touch it off one time with, with, with his first touch. And like like you said, like playing on the wing, he's hugging the touchline. We've seen him play for Brighton up front as a top as a, as a lead striker. In fact, when I've gone through his games for Brighton, he's played and held up the ball extremely well. Like there, There's been elements of his game that's very similar to David McGoldrick even though they're completely different physically and they're completely different skill sets, you would think. But he's very good at linking up play and getting on the ball. But we just haven't seen enough of him uh, get, getting into positions of uh, attacking. Like the, the one thing, or the one real big chance against Finland, I think, was when uh, you saw Robbie Brady win, win the ball high up in midfield and it was played forward to Ida, who just touched it around the corner, and Connolly had come in field. And I think it was from a goal kick, so he was actually mm-hmm. in, as part of that front three pressing initially, which had brought him inside. And he dropped his shoulder and went out wide. And he just pushed the ball a little bit too far to the left. So the ball went into the side netting ultimately. But that's the kind of position you want to see him in. And I actually, like as much as Connolly created and how good I thought he was overall, there's still more to come from him. And I, I, I think one of our big kind of positives, and maybe it wasn't a positive so far, but when you look at O'Dowda on the right and you look at Connolly on the left, I think they're two guys who are still 
pretty much learning and figuring out how to play those specific roles. Connolly played that role under 21 level, obviously, but he hasn't played out, out wide uh, for his club at all, as far as I remember. And Odauda, a very young player who I thought was very good when he's played centrally more, played on that left side and that left channel a little bit more. He's playing on the right here, and it, it, feels, it, it felt completely alien to him a little bit. Mm. Like when the ball was getting into positions and he was just running, running upfield and out in the wing, where he could have been coming inside and looking for an opportunity, which is going to limit Matt Doherty as well, because Matt Doherty wants that space in front of him. I think when you're playing a 4-3-3 or a 4-5-1, whatever way you want to call the system that Ireland very clearly have set up, it's imperative to get players up and around Ida or McGoldrick, whoever it's going to be. And those two wingers kind of have that primary responsibility, especially in the first game when you had three guys in Jeff Hendrick, Conor Horan, and James O'Carty who aren't going to run box to box. To box. It was a little bit better with Robbie Brady in the second game. He would get the ball and he was moved forward and he was actually moving into dangerous positions. But when you have guys who in midfield who aren't, like we don't have a Jordan Henderson, Moyalum combination there who can get in the box and up and down the field all day. You have to get that support from, from the outside coming in. And it's why he's picked right footer on the left side and left footer on the right side. I, I think it's very promising because I don't think either Odauda or Connolly are limited technically or, mm. or like with their ability at their awareness. Like I think neither of them are James McLean who are just going to run around and throw themselves into tackles. I think they can actually learn and develop and get better with more time on the field, which isn't something I've felt from Irish teams in the past. Like, like if you had Shawnee Maguire out there, yeah, he's probably going to be a little bit better right now. Or Callum Robinson, like when Callum Robinson came on ahead of Odauda, he had a very clear, better understanding of the position in Odauda. That doesn't necessarily mean Robinson's a better option over the long term. I think Odauda just needs to grow into the role and the same for Connolly, which is exactly what, why Kenny is so exciting. He's giving these guys opportunities and he's blooding them already. Oshin, what did you make of um, Odauda and Connolly? Yeah, I thought they were good. Um, kind of to echo Kane's point, yeah, I think Connolly was definitely a most exciting player. Mm. Um, I think any player that kind of has that kind of pace and that kind of directness is going to be a problem for, for defenders. I would be interested to see him, I, I don't know, I couldn't have been thinking a little bit, would it be interesting to see him maybe off Ida and just have him buzzing around in a bit of a 10 kind of role? Because like, I know he does play there, uh, as Keane said, he does play there for Brighton and he's not going to maybe used to the to the wide role. I think I think he's still a little bit raw and I think sometimes maybe his decision making is not, Yeah. it's not, I mean, it's understandably not perfect at the moment. And especially when you put him in a position that he hasn't really played since probably the 21s with Ireland. Um, but in terms of Odell, yeah, I, I actually was really impressed by Odell because I think he only played something like 17 or 18 games. He started 17 or 18 games for Bristol City this season, uh, or last season, should I say. So he was kind of one of those players that I, I, I was happy to see him in, involved because I think he has that spark. He's great spark. But I was kind of wondering, well, is he going to be kind of match fit? Is he going to be sharp? And I actually thought he probably was one of the sharper players uh, against Bulgaria. Maybe Finland he wasn't as good. But... Um, I do think that's a promising kind of a promising two, and I think that's an interesting point came out. Just the fact that Kenny kind of is giving them the chance to develop into those positions, um, which I think is promising because I think I think Odeida is kind of one of those players that was kind of forgotten about a little bit uh, under McCarthy. I think he was because under O'Neill, I thought he was actually okay. O'Neill kind of never really knew where exactly to play him. I think he stuck in kind of centre mid. He kind of stuck in <laughs> ten. He stuck in a wide. He stuck in a few different positions, but I kind of thought that he was starting to. Around the time, around O'Neill's kind of last couple of games, I kind of thought Odell was starting to kind of become a player that maybe we could rely on a little bit in terms of a creative spark. And then under McCarthy, obviously, he didn't really see much of a chance. But I think, yeah, I, I think Odell is definitely one for the future. Connolly's one for the future. And I think as a duo on either side, they broke, they bring such different things. Like Odell was cutting inside, um, whereas Connolly was probably more direct going at the fullback. Um, so, yeah, I think that that's a kind of nice mix. And I think, uh, in fairness, I think Ida did quite well. Um, in that number nine position, so I'll be interested to see 
I'm actually really, really interested to see what, what Kenny will do for the Slovakia one um, in terms of who he goes with his front three. I think Conley and, and, and Odell has pr- probably have done enough to justify a starting spot, but will he trust them in, in such a big game, I suppose, would be, would be the interesting thing to see. But no, definitely, I think they were both, both probably two of our, our better players, I'd say, over the two games for sure. It was fair annoying hearing Mick McCarthy say how good Odell was when he never <laughs> yeah. really played and when he had him. Yeah, that was a bizarre move by Sky Sports, mm. I thought. To, bizarre move by him. Mick as well. Like, it, yeah. That's not a comfortable position for him, surely, either, you know? It was, yeah. But, uh, no, yeah, I, I doubt it, yeah. I think, yeah. I, 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 I do suspect that Kenny kind of has, like, I, I, Aaron Connolly in the middle. I think you can play Aaron Connolly anywhere. I, yeah. I wrote it for off the ball a couple of weeks, a couple of months back. <laughs> I've lost all concept of time. It's like months ago, <laughs> weeks ago. It could be a year ago, I don't know. I wrote about it. Actually, I wrote about it in the program for the game itself that you can play Connolly at any point in the attacking in the attacking front three or even on the inside. But I, my suspicion is, and it's completely just a suspicion, is I think Kenny's putting him on that left wing because he has a, a vision of either up front uh, and try power it in behind like he had at times on the under twenty one team. Mm-hmm. And then you've got on the right side, you've got Odota obviously, but you've got other players coming through on the right side as well. A guy like Connor Ronan probably has a long term outlook that they're looking at as well. And then you've got Malumbi in behind. So I think like while if we move Connolly around right now, it might be better for us. I think Kenny is looking at that long term and saying Aaron Connolly can do a job out of the left. Let's leave him on the left for the moment and he's going to grow into it over the years. And like I remember obviously Damien Duff early in his career started off playing as a striker because that was the best place with him and Robbie Keane and then moved up to the wing eventually. He was always a winger. It might be the complete opposite for Aaron Connolly. Yeah, I actually just started to cut across there, but I completely agree with Eric Keane in terms of Parrott being that number 10. I think that's exactly what he was thinking because didn't he say when McGoldrick went, McGoldrick wasn't fit for the game, so he brought. He said he only brought Parrott in because of that, because McGoldrick yeah. wasn't fit for the Bulgaria game. And I think he, he mentioned that Parrott was kind of the, the closest player to McGoldrick that he saw in terms of the style of play. So that kind of made me probably think that maybe he was thinking, was he thinking of an Ida as his nine and then McGoldrick as his 10? Because I know he rates McGoldrick, but he's kind of a different type of striker. It's maybe what he'd usually fancy. Um, so yeah, I think that's that probably could have been the way forward. And I think it would have been very interesting to see that, um, especially in the Bulgaria game, to see someone, because I thought that was the problem Ida kind of had. He was quite isolated up there. Um, I think he did, I, you did mention it, but I think you came, but I think he did great work in terms of holding the ball up. I think he was strong. Um, didn't kind of wasn't afraid of the battle with the Bulgarian defender again. Same with the Finland game, but um, I just think he needed more sport. I, I think he probably should, could have done more sport in the Finland game as well. But yeah, I definitely think that that was probably his um, Kenny's game plan was probably to have Parrot there because he'd done that. He'd done it with the twenty ones a couple of times. I know he played. I think Sweden. I'm not one hundred percent sure, but he played. Um, he played Parrot off either. So yeah, it would have been interesting to see that dynamic at senior level. There was one sequence from the uh, Bulgaria game that the FAI actually tweeted out the, the video of it. You can go to their Twitter account and scroll back a bit and you'll find it. Where they played the ball from their own corner on the left side and it was three or four passes. And then they played the ball forward to Ida, who held the ball up, moved it and played in. I think it was Connolly on the left or whoever it was on the left. And it was a, a sequence of play that we just did not have under Mick or under Martin O'Neill at all. And because we had that big man with the touch up top, that helped. But having the players coming off of him, that's probably what Kenny is looking at long term. But having that in that moment, because it was only eight minutes into that game, so everyone was still full of energy and full of going before they all got wrecked. But it was only eight minutes into the game, so there was all that support was there. Once you get a guy like Parrot floating around, or even I, I even think Robbie Brady can do a job in that role if he's pushed a little bit further up and the other two midfielders hold. But I, <laughs> if you have Parrot in that role, I think he's got the intelligence and the athleticism to get with him and pick off of those balls. And it's it's, it's a potentially brilliant combination. Yeah, don't want to keep harping on about this, but just I, I was kind of thinking maybe is it a case of like 
some of the players going into default mode, say like a Jeff Hendrick. Maybe maybe Kenny might have said that Jeff Hendrick support yeah. Adamida uh, a little bit more, and maybe Hendrick's natural thing was I'm playing with Ireland. I kind of have to sit. I have to kind of be around <laughs> in that centre. Maybe that was literally it, though. It could have been something as simple as that. Literally, that maybe it was just so. It's just kind of so bed into them nearly to sit to stay back a little bit more when they would have been maybe more effective pushing forward and maybe it was just they're just so not used to that it's just another thing that maybe will take time to 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 unlearn nearly i suppose yeah i mean we are basically trying to re-engineer decades of of one way of thinking so it's going to take uh, a little bit of time um just quickly on ida i was really surprised to see um see a little bit of criticism come his way on twitter and obviously it's twitter um and we and we know to take that with a pinch of salt but I mean, for a 19-year-old making his Ireland debut, um, the size, the strength that he's shown, um, for a guy who hasn't played a whole pile of, of senior football, I, I was absolutely over the moon because cause I'm, I'm one of those people, you know, that, like yourselves are thinking so long-term um, to, to an era where we've Malumbi, we've Parrot and whoever else. And I'm thinking, like, if this guy is this good at 19, wait till he gets some, some club action under his belt, how good is he going to be then? Because for me, it was a really impressive debut. And obviously, you know, you can nitpick on, on, on some of the scraps that he was feeding off. It was a kind of very, a very Ireland striker sort of a game where he was kind of isolated. But some of the touches he showed, um, and I think for club at least, he, he has shown, and for the under-21s, he has shown that he is, he is a good finisher and he can score all kinds of goals. So I think... He's probably a better finisher than McGoldrick is, but he has that size and that kind of ability to hold up the ball. So um, I was really surprised to see to see some of that criticism. Yeah, I don't, I don't think. Not, sorry, sorry, King, go on. No, go ahead, go ahead. I was just saying, I, I don't think that criticism was warranted at all. I think he, mm. I think he, did, he performed admirably in terms of when you consider all that. As you said, Kevin, you're only 19. He has kind of played a handful of senior senior games and he looked he looked comfortable there I mean mm. I know no, he, he didn't set the world alight there's no point in kind of in sugarcoating it but I do think like his hold of play was good he, he laid the ball off really well um, there was a couple of times actually in the fiddling game where he got along the, he was, I think he was on the right flank and he kind of was up against the fullback and he did okay there now that kind of that was detrimental in the sense that there was kind of no one in the centre then for him but maybe that's not necessarily his fault but no I think overall in the two games I think he did really well I think Kenny I think he'll he'll only be more confident with the the faith, I suppose, that Kenny showed in him to to keep him in for both games. I think he, I think he might have played him nearly. Oh no, he he came off, but but um to to keep him him in for both games, um, I just thought he was great. I I think, as you said, he's only nineteen, and I think he's going to have a huge season with Norwich. I think he really will be given a chance now because um I know they signed Hook, Jordan Hugel, and I think Pookie's still there, but I still think. I think Daniel Farker likes him a lot and I think he'll be given a chance. And if he is given a chance in that league, I think he'll really, really do well because he has all the attributes to be an excellent striker, especially at championship level. He'll bully defenders. And we saw it against Preston. He scored a hat-trick against Preston. So, and the Preston are good, a very good championship team. So, yeah, I think the future is definitely bright for him. I'll be really interested to see him now if he gets a run in the Norwich team. I'm confident he scores. And if he starts scoring and then he gets back onto the international stage, I'll be really interested to see how he's improved since then. But mm. no, completely unwarranted. I think any kind of criticism really leveled at him. I think it was uh, Dan McDonald. I might have the wrong person there because there's been so many people talking about the early game all week, obviously. But I think it was Dan McDonald who was saying Stephen Kenny's, uh, Stephen Kenny has a very specific responsibility for that lead striker, and he wants him to stay upfield and always stay 
Like when you're up front on your own, especially when the opposition is playing three at the back, you're obviously going to be tempted to come back and get, get, drop deeper to get try and get the ball and be involved. And one of the positives for Ida is that he is very disciplined and staying in that role. And it's probably one of the benefits of him playing with Kenny at the under 21s before moving up to the senior team, especially having not played at club level pretty much at all, is that he's already been in this role for a year or two. So he knows exactly what to do. And I think the, I actually think we're talking about the same moment against Iceland where he found himself up against the left back on the left side. He had actually made that run across the, 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 the defense, the central defender to get out into a position where the Irish players in front of him had an outlet because outside yeah. of that, they were, they were stuck with nowhere to go and they would have been passing the ball back again and again like they had done oftentimes before. And Ida had that athleticism and that awareness and understanding to get across, get that good first touch in and get fronted on the defender. I think that you either got a corner out of it or a throw in, I'm not sure either either way, but it, it was the, the kind of a clear identity, a clear understanding of what he was doing, kind of the opposite of what you're saying with Jeff Hendrick there where Hendrick's muscle memory tells him to be in yeah. a defensive position and always think about the ball and they're going to lose it. Ida's looking at ways to keep the ball and show for it and, and to get in good positions. And it's a little bit of a... One, one of the criticisms, it, it was either Dan McDonald again, there's too many people, like, so I'm not going to attribute it directly. <laughs> but someone was talking about the Goldrick's tendency to come too deep and just because he wants to get involved. And that's one of the things that's going to have to change. I think we did see that a little bit in the second half when McGoldrick came on. At one point, he was running at the box and got a shot off. Wasn't a great shot, could have done a lot better with it. But it was kind of a different way of playing the same position from what Ida was playing. And I like, I think we're, we can get ahead of ourselves with Ida a little bit. I don't think he's necessarily ready to be the full-time yeah. starter at this level. But in terms of having a guy who fills a specific role, who's doing what you need him to do, who has done everything he was asked to do, and done it at a level much higher than he should have been expected to do it at, I, I, you can't criticize him at all. I think he had an incredible first two games. And I, I will say this as someone who wasn't always that impressive him at the under-21 level. I thought he was a little bit overrated. I, 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 he's a good finisher, a good goal scorer, obviously. But it really kind of stood out to me, the athleticism that he has, the ability that he has, the awareness and intelligence mm-hmm. that he has, and that deft little first touch. Because there was so many different, like, uh, it was, um, it wasn't Odo- it was Odota, I think, coming off who had a shot off when Ida just lay the ball off to him in the first game. Actually, it might have been Horahan in the first game, sorry, where he hit it with his left foot and he kind of ballooned it over the bar. But it was a lovely little touch from Ida just before that. There was a touch that he set up to get Connolly in one-on-one. He had a couple of more opportunities to hold the ball up and bring the uh, other team into play. I, I thought in the Bulgaria game, it was also interesting that he lost his first couple of clashes with those centre-backs. And those centre-backs were going at him. They were really get like they were they were not treating him very softly at all. So he lost his first couple of battles with them and he didn't shy away from it. He kept coming back and he actually won the next couple, which for a 19-year-old like who's playing and moved up to a level he's never played at before, that was a really, really positive sign and a really uh, a really encouraging sign for his development and just for his comfort at that level. There was one moment um, in the Finland game and kind of the narrative that people have been kind of catching on to has been the lack of chances being created. But Odauda rather than cutting in on his left, actually went down on his right um, towards the touchline, or towards the end line, rather. Um, and Ida just kind of misread the situation and took a step oh, or two too yeah, far. Right. And, I mean, if he'd stuck his position, I know, I've know i no doubt that he would have that he would have buried the finish. Because um, I think, you know, it's the kind of goal that we've seen him score um, at pretty much every level. Um, so I'm, That's actually... That's something I noticed a couple of times. Sorry to interrupt you there, but I noticed that a couple of times when the, when there's an opportunity to put the ball in the box, he tends to go wider than the post, which is yeah. a, like, obviously he needs to be in between the post to get an easy tap in or whatever. But I assume assuming we were thinking about the same moment, I think that was his problem there as well. 
Yeah, I, I don't think he had much support either, did he? I don't think there was anyone coming in mm. um, in that chance. But yeah, no, you're right. In the, in the sense there, yeah, position maybe could have been a little bit better. Um, Leds, the Doherty Coleman thing isn't going away, unfortunately. Um, kind of the clamour for him to get uh, to get some, some game time. And to be honest, I was personally, I was very glad to see him play both games. But I think on reflection, um, and especially after the Bulgaria game, it was evident that he wasn't fit um, and he was well off the pace. And like Keane mentioned uh, a little bit earlier with Callum O'Dowda, he kind of had a player in front of him that kind of wasn't familiar with the system. Um, and that kind of frustrated Doherty even more. And in turn, that's kind of, you know, put in place uh, the, the, the conversation that should we be looking at changing the system again? Um, obviously, he plays in a 5-3-2 or 3-5-2 rather for, for Wolves and, and he does that very well. Um, and that's earned him a transfer to Spurs. Um, and obviously, like, come next month in Slovakia, you'd imagine he'll have a... A kind of a, a proper pre-season um, period at Spurs when he when he when he rejoins there, but do any of you kind of hold any credit in the theory that for Doherty to be successful for Ireland that we need to change the system around him um, and probably complement you know the likes of Enda Stevens on the other side and whoever else um, like Kenny hasn't has said that he w- he wouldn't be shy in in changing the system, but do you think? For Doherty to have any chance of playing well for Ireland, that it's the system rather than just how he's performing at, at the right back. I, I think the the Bulgaria like so the Bulgaria game. I'm, I think I'm going to just write it off because I don't think he was anywhere close to being fit. I don't yeah. think he was fit for the Finland game either. I think in the the first half of the Finland game, I was kind of frustrated at everyone, even like the Finland players. I was even getting mad at because it was played at such a preseason friendly pace that both teams were so happy to just let each other have the ball and play it around. And then in the second half, I thought Doherty was outstanding. And there, there was two really key moments for me where he won the ball high upfield in in Finland territory. The first one, and actually, I don't think it's a coincidence that once Callum Robinson came on, he started to play a little bit better because Robinson was drifting inside more often than than Odota was. But when, in the second half, there was a the, the best chance. Like Ireland, like the, the piece I wrote for off the ball was about the chances that Ireland created. We traded four or five really good opportunities to get in a scoring position or to have a clean striking goal, a clean opportunity. And it's something Kenny referenced in the game, in the post-match press conference. Like the, the perception around Kenny right now could be completely different because we could have four points and have scored two or three or four goals in that game. It's not unrealistic to think that. It was just opportunities were missed and the execution, execution wasn't where it should be, which we can say is preseason or whatever. But Matt Doherty in two of those chances, one to Aaron Connolly that fell off a cross from Callum Robinson, where Connolly just completely whiffed about six or seven yards out. He should have scored. Like, for him, you expect him to score that. That actually came from Doherty uh, winning the ball high upfield inside the opportunity uh, inside the opponent's half. And then after that, about five minutes later, he stepped forward, read a pass coming out of the back, and, and, and brought the ball forward and was running towards goal and used the outside of his boot to play in Callum Robinson. And Callum Robinson, like, to me, this was the one like, most frustrating part of the whole game. Callum Robinson has played in one-on-one, beautiful ball from Doherty. And the keeper makes himself big, but Robinson places it in his chest. Like He doesn't go for a corner, he doesn't go high, he doesn't go low even. He basically passed it back to the keeper and made it easy for him. And that was like the type of day, or, or that were, those were the type of two games I think we had. Doherty, to me, I've no concerns about his ability to play. I think he's a very good footballer. I think he's outstanding as a wing-back, and I think he's a good fullback. I do have a question mark about Ireland right now, and in terms of the team as a whole benefiting from Seamus Coleman being on the field because 
I, I, maybe I'm wrong on this, but my perception in the two games was there wasn't really anyone out there bollocking anyone. There wasn't yeah. anyone out there saying, hey, we need to get our intensity up because there was guys going through those games kind of very passively. And I think Seamus Coleman is someone who, like, I think Shane, I think the difference between Seamus Coleman and Matt Doherty isn't massive as players. Uh, Coleman's a better defender, Doherty's a better attacker. But I think Coleman is that leadership player, that guy who's going to force the tempo, force the intensity. I think Ireland might need that in Slovakia and they might need that in different times. Like, I don't think we're in a position now where we have a manager who's, who's got his favourites who's always going to play his favourites. I can see Ireland playing Coleman, playing Doherty, like that being 50-50 for the next year or two or whatever mm-hmm. it is, depending on how they play in the Premier League. And I don't think either of those guys are going to have a real problem with that. Yeah, I, I think it'd be really interesting to see Doherty at Spurs. I think that would be a real kind of acid test of how well he kind of can perform in a system that isn't done with Wolves. Because I kind of sometimes when I was watching Doherty now, and it can be... Uh, a result, I suppose, of the way we would have played um, in the past. But sometimes looking at Doherty with McCarthy, and I know he didn't get much of a chance, but he did, I kind of always looked at him and I thought, is it this just a case of Matt Doherty is just really, really good in the system that he plays with Wolves? He just fits that so perfectly that it kind of makes him look like an outstanding player, as opposed to him actually being an outstanding player. Now, I think that's probably a little bit far-fetched because he, mm-hmm. I, I, I do agree that he played, he played well in the second half against Finland. But... Um, I will be interested to see him at Spurs. I'll be interested to see how long it kind of takes him to adjust because it is there are a lot of differences, I think, to the way he would have played with Wolves and now he'll have to change what he's known for so long. But that could, in, an, in a way, be beneficial to Ireland because it'll be if Kenny decides to stick with the four, which I'd imagine he probably will. Um, if Doherty can settle in well at Wolves, then it'll be hugely beneficial to us because the situation won't be as different as it was him playing, say, one week for Wolves in a 3-5-2 and then going to go on international capital Ireland and having to kind of change his mindset to a to a four. Um, so, yeah, I think Doherty will be really interesting. I think, Keen, you're right in that sense with the Coleman thing. I think it was brave. I, think, I, I, I do think Doherty should have started, and I think it was the right call, but I thought it was very, very brave to not mm. have Coleman in, especially when it's your first game and you've, you've, kind of, you've named him the captain. He is your captain. Um, so I think... I think Kenny will have a big, yeah, I love a big decision to make in Slovakia because James Coleman, he's the kind of player you you do want on the field in a game like that. But then Doherty can be so effective that he's the kind of player that can change a game for you going forward. So you kind of want him too. So it'll be a, it'll be a real difficult decision. But um, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what Doherty can do with Spurs. I hope I hope he can settle in well, and I hope it's not a case of him just being an outstanding player that fit a system so well that I hope he can kind of show that he's a little bit more versatile than that. But um, yeah, I do think I do think the, the argument will just keep keep rumbling on and on until, oh well, I don't know until until one of them either um, <laughs> retires. Start, yeah, one of them retires, one of them starts struggling, one of them gets injured. Hopefully not. But um, yeah, no, I'll be interested to see. Mm. I thought it was interesting in the in the Bulgaria game in the first half. He it was one of the few occasions Ododa went in field and he found himself in space on the edge of the box. And actually, Bulgaria went down the other end and had a chance off of this. But he, he was one-on-one with the, with the opposition defender and he just tried to flick the ball over and pass into the channel down the right side. And it was kind of a very lazy, very tired action, which you don't yeah. really come to expect from Doherty when you watch him at Wolves because regardless of what position you're playing, like when you've seen Doherty in the final third, even you go back to his, his headed goal he had for Ireland against, uh, was against Denmark was a, the, at the back yeah. post. Like his comfort in the final third has always been there and we didn't really see that in either of the two games. And I, I, I don't think it was necessarily because he was playing fullback and he had to think about how, when he had to track back and when he, where he had to be on the field. 
I think he just was so tired. But I, I, I think we probably talk way too much about the right back mm. position anyway, because no matter who plays there, we're going to be fine at that spot. Good problem to have, yeah, definitely. <laughs> I think it's a good point, uh, Keen, that you made about um, the leadership element that Coleman brings, and obviously Kenny would have had that conversation with with Coleman at some point in the week leading up to the games. Uh, where he kind of explained the situation that you're not going to start. And it's hugely brave um, from Stephen Kenny and kind of indicates, you know, going forward that, he, you know, he isn't going to be afraid to to make the big calls, whether it's uh, starting a youngster or, or, or mixing up the system in some way. Um, but I think um, on reflection, especially in the Finland game, where we had the likes of Harry Arthur and Jason Malumbi in midfield. And I think Malumbi has this kind of reputation of being um, a bollocker. Um, there's loads of instances with the under-21s where, you know, he's kind of given out to everyone and he's in that kind of leadership role. Uh, and I think he probably fulfilled that for Millwall as well. Um, but you're not really going to expect a player to come in on his Ireland debut yeah. and 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 kind of show that kind of leadership that I'm sure he will as as the years go on. Um, and Harry Arthur as well doesn't really kind of fill that leadership role um, I thought for the first couple of minutes he kind of put himself about and then he kind of just he kind of waved the white flag in a, way, in a way in that you know he's kind of had his job done nearly and he felt like you know I, I can kind of quieten down a small bit um, and O'Dowd as well it doesn't strike me as, as someone who's going to who's going to kick up a fuss uh, whenever whenever the, the team kind of starts to kind of drop down a, a few gears. Um, I suppose... I, I, there was an, um, I had an interesting... There was an interesting feeling watching uh, Harry Arthur because I remember Damien Delaney talking about Mario Ganduzzi and everyone saying Ganduzzi throws himself about. He's a bit of a leader and he's... Like, this is before, obviously, he got himself in trouble and got sent away from the team for, from Arsenal. Uh, and he was saying you know, Ganduzzi throws himself around and runs around but he's actually really hurting his team because he's not showing mm. any positional d- discipline and awareness. I felt like that watching Arthur. I think the the point about the leadership, like in reference to Malumbi, Malumbi tore his ACL and then came straight into the Ireland under-21s. He said himself, I wasn't expecting to be uh, a major part of the team. I wasn't even expecting to be a starter. And Stephen Kenny saw the way he was in training. They saw how good he was, obviously. But he saw the way he was as a leader. So he obviously values that leadership. And if you've gone to any under, Ireland under twenty one games, well, before we when when we could go to those games, I, I fell in love with Jason Malumbi as a player yeah. at those games because while Parrot was there, while Ida was there, while Connolly were there, and they were all flashy and outstanding. Actually, Conor Coventry in, in the centre with him was really good as well. Malumbi's constantly talking, constantly telling people what to do, constantly pointing out, constantly encouraging and getting everyone to go, and constantly uh, just just keeping the team at a certain level of intensity was really, really impressive. And it's what made him such a good leader at that level. And I think that's something Ireland can look forward to. But like you said, as, as a debut at that age with yeah. senior grown around you, that's never going to get straight away. Yeah, I think he was kind of, I don't want to say he was hurt by having someone like Arthur beside him, but like Arthur and Brady kind of, I think he thrives where he needs a kind of holder next to him. Like, as mm. you said, Connor Coventry beside him. I think that's that's the perfect thing whereby Coventry can kind of sit, take the ball off the centre-backs, knock it forward. And you can have Malumbi who can kind of come forward and back all around the pitch marauding but like that kind of doesn't necessarily work if you have Arthur who kind of essentially wants to maybe do the same thing or you have Brady who's a little bit more forward thinking so that will kind of leave gaps then and Malumbi will kind of be seen a little bit out of position whereby maybe if he did that with a 21s he'd have a Coventry who'd be there to kind of protect him a little bit more so that's why I kind of would be interested to see the the duo of kind of McCarthy and Malumbi 
I think those two could be the, the way forward. I'd be interested to see how those two could work together. Obviously, I'd say to be in a similar situation, it'd be kind of one of those that would take a little bit of time to knit together. But I think that those two, two are the two. I think the two players we have in that midfield area who can kind of complement each other the best going forward, maybe. That kind of, I was going to bring up that point about um, the midfield, and I mean, I think it's fair to say that of the two midfield combinations that played, nobody really grabbed the bull by the horns. Um, so we're probably hoping that over the next four or five weeks that there's kind of uh, club form kind of has a say in, in what Kenny might do um, going into the Slovakia game um, with Hendrik hopefully starting at Newcastle. McCarthy, like you said, could do it if a run of games again uh, for Palace. Um, Harry Arter will likely get some games for Bournemouth. Horahan hopefully get some minutes at Villa. Um, we don't really know what the situation with Malumbi is at Brighton, whether he's going to go out on loan. Um, and then, then you've guys like Josh Cullen, who by all accounts has had a, a decent pre-season at West Ham um, and could have a role to play there. Um, so I don't, I don't think overall there's been really any indication so far from what we've seen that would suggest who's going to start in midfield against Slovakia. Um, and we're probably just kind of waiting to see what Kenny felt over the two games um, whether it's going to be a mix of the two um, and obviously then taking into account the, the club form Yeah, I'll be interested to see as well how he, if he kind of goes for a more set three or if he goes two and a ten um, I think you, I think two and a ten could be probably the best way of going about it but yeah, Kevin, as you said no one kind of there was no there was nothing, I don't think there was a real standout player out of the kind of six mm. that, that featured I don't think anyone kind of necessarily stood out and said yeah he's definitely going to start I think it really could be it, the, the, those positions are still hugely up for grabs yeah I'd be I'd be interested in who you lads think is going to start or who you would start because I know me personally watching like I, I think I'd probably judge James McCarthy a little bit lesser because he came into yeah. it with a little bit of an injury knock and he's coming back from not playing for Ireland for how many long, uh, as long as it was but I I, I think as a defensive midfielder, I think there's just a clear gap between him and Harry Arter. I think Malumbi could possibly fill that role, but he probably doesn't want to right now. He probably mm. wants to still be that box-to-box guy. So I think McCarthy's probably a nailed-on starter for me if I was picking the team. I think Robbie Brady probably has to go in as well just because he has that forward momentum a little bit, that willingness to make runs, that willingness to try passes that other players won't try. Like That was a really noticeable part of, a first, of the, uh, the first game. Horton, Hendrick and McCarthy as a combination were all far too comfortable taking this, the, the obvious pass and taking the safe pass. Obviously, we want to retain possession. You want that high-level possession, but you need someone like Brady in there as well who's going to try that, that uh, to create. I, I, I hope we wind up with two sitting and one further afield. I don't think that's necessarily what Stephen Kenny wants to do, but when he was in those European runs with, uh, with Dundalk all those years ago, he would alter his team in away games. So, Hopefully that happens, and he did say himself after the games he was experimenting a little bit. He was probably pointing to the six players starting in midfield as well. So I, I, I think it's going to be fascinating to watch over the next month, and that's probably the most uh, important aspect for us to figure out, that most important uh, thing to, to watch over the first couple of weeks of the Premiership and the Championship, where if, if, some, uh, if any of those midfielders stand out, I think any single one of them could be starting, because the gaps between them, regardless of who's on the bench and who's starting, aren't going to be huge. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with uh, James McCarthy, and I think especially if he does get a run of games for Palace, um, because he was coming into the camp with an injury, he hasn't played a whole pile over the past couple of years. I mean, it's going to take him a little bit of time uh, to get up to speed, um, especially playing in that number six role. 
um, which I didn't think Arthur played especially well. And I felt he left a lot of gaps for Finland to, to kind of punish uh, in in behind the midfield. Um, I, we're probably kind of clutching at straws with this point. But Oshin, um, you know, we're, we're crying out for a kind of a number 10 or a, a player that can create and, and kind of pull things out of the hat. How do you do you think Jack Byrne is in any equation for Stephen Kenny? Um, and obviously the kind of anti League of Ireland thing has already been leveled at him because he left out Byrne. But yeah. do you think Byrne? Do you think Byrne is is in is in the discussion at all? I think he probably should be just because he's a different type of player to what we have in the midfield at the moment. And on his day, he's fantastic. I, I don't think he's actually been that great to be honest for Rovers this season. And nowhere near the level he was last season. But um, yeah, I think I think he, he probably should be given a chance in the sense that. He did really well against Bulgaria the last time they played them. That was kind of what I was thinking when I was watching them, but uh, against Bulgaria th- th- this time. But yeah, no, I think he's um, he's different to what we have. He, we didn't necessarily have a ten um, in that squad, really. I, I think I, as we kind of mentioned earlier, McCarthy or Kenny's idea was probably to play Parrot off and Ida. Um, and I don't know, maybe if McGoldrick had him fit, play McGoldrick off Ida. I'm not entirely sure. But Jack Byrne is obviously a different a different ten to what those two would be. So I think he is the case in the sense that, I mean, if we're experimenting, I suppose, he has the case to see what he could do in that in that position and to see what a, a more natural 10 like him or a Conor Roman could do, um, as opposed to, say, a second striker. But I don't think it was necessarily a scandalous move for Kenny to leave him out, um, especially, I think, maybe probably given, given the fact that he's not in his best form really necessarily right now. But I think he does have a future, and I think um, if he can get back to his best at Rovers, I think he, he he could be he could be him on the show if if he can do it in the next in the next month or so the next couple of months I think he he could be him on the show for the squad, um as I said just because he's he's different to what we have at the moment I think. It was funny watching people point to that Bulgaria three one win this as a reason for us to not play football when it was Jack Byrne who created one <laughs> yeah. and made that happen. Yeah, the, the, the short sightedness yeah. of people is just crazy. That's literally I, I was thinking when I was watching that I was like I remember Jack Byrne was very good in this game. But, uh, <laughs> Yeah, no, I think I think it wasn't a it wasn't a, 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 a scandalous call. I think to leave him out. But. It's probably a positive sign that he left Jack Byrne out because he's not forcing a League of Ireland player into like we all yeah. know Stephen Kenny's not going to disrespect the League of Ireland and say, oh, I'm just going to write off. Exactly, like, Jack yeah. Byrne has also proven he can play at international level. But like you said, he hasn't been playing well in the League of Ireland. He hasn't been standing out the way you expect him to do, and so that means Kenny's actually picking guys on form, maybe or maybe yeah, exactly. taking form into account. But I do I do think he's going to be a factor and like. Hopefully he's a factor because he is a, a very talented player and he gets somewhat overrated a little bit when we talk about Ireland, not in terms yeah. of his club form or playing at his club level, but in terms of Irish level, like I don't think he's on Wes Hulton's level just yet, but he's still quite young. So if he does play for Rovers and continue to excel at Rovers, he'll probably eventually wind up back in England and then that will probably be the kickstart of his Ireland career. Speaking of factors, um, and this is a guy that... He's been hyped up for the last 12, 18 months and finally now this season we're going to get a chance to see him start uh, at a reasonably high level. Um, how big of a factor do you think Troy Parrott is going to have going forward? Because obviously he's familiar with Kenny. You'd imagine Kenny has a plan for him and he, out of everyone he looks like the, the kind of superstar in waiting. I think he's going to be... I think I can't wait to see him at Millwall. I think that he couldn't have got a better move there. I don't think... Um, especially when you look at how they kind of treated Malumbi last season. I think they they didn't start him at the start. They kind of bedded him a little bit. Now I know the managerial change was a, was a big help. Railway coming in, I think for Neil Harris. Um, but yeah, the way they kind of they treated him there was fantastic. 
I think they've been crying out last season for a goal scorer because that's where they kind of lacked a little bit. They were playing, I think, Matt Smith and Lee Gregory up top. Neither of them were really prolific and they still managed to finish. I think they were like ninth or tenth. They did they've done mm. quite well. Um and they're make they're gonna make a push, judging by the signs, they're gonna try and make a push for the playoffs this season. I think with a player like Parrot, um there, if he can kind of if he can get a nice run together and I, and I think I do think I am confident that he will start. I think um Rao does trust him. I think he has a good relationship he spoke about actually before he signed. He said that kind of that was one of the one of the reasons why he did join was that the, the, his first conversation with Rail was was great. It kind of seemed to be really receptive to toward one another. So I can't wait to see him play for Millwall. Um, I think it's a great club to be at for a young player in their development. Yeah. So I know obviously Harry Kane went there, did okay there, but um, yeah, I think Malumbi's the blueprint there to look at just how well they can kind of develop a player. And they're kind of one of these teams that are slightly under the radar, a little bit nearly in the championship because it, like. I think the fact that they kind of finished around eighth or ninth last season and kind of did it without too much of a fuss. They kind of they don't play they don't play outstanding football and they're not kind of. But then conversely, they're kind of not a team that will hoof it all the time. They're kind of just a middle of the road team. But I think with someone like Parry, he could maybe push them definitely towards the playoffs. And I just I really can't. I think it's a, an outstanding move. I think he's he's done really well to to choose there. And I think it's just one of those moves that I think it fits all parties involved. It was the coldest night of my life last year when I went to the New Zealand-Ireland game. And thankfully, Troy Park started it and played up front. And there was a moment, I remember in the first half, where the ball was played. I think the Ireland were defending a corner, defending a free kick deep in their own area. And the ball was played long. And it was a, an opportunity. there was two centre-backs covering Park. And he had to run and beat the first defender to the ball, make an exceptional touch to hold it up, and then bring the ball into play. And it was just a small little moment. But again, it was this physical ability at such a young age to front up to the centre-backs he was playing against. And obviously, New Zealand aren't spectacular players or whatever. Um, but the, the step up to playing against men physically was really impressive. And he was very good in that game overall, which is interesting because when you watch Parrot play at under-21 level, he's technically exceptional. And he's an incredible passer. If you watch that Sweden game away from home where he came on in the second half and was just exceptional, scored an outstanding goal at the end. You see him when he got sent off against Italy, obviously, but he, he, in the home games, he was outstanding. And one of the really interesting aspects of him and a real reflection of how good his skill set is, you can play him in the left wing and he's completely comfortable. You can play him in the hole behind and he's completely comfortable. He can lead the line for you if you want and he's completely comfortable as well. And there's even times where if you're playing a three-man midfield, he can drop deep enough where he's essentially a central midfielder. He is an all-around footballer and I don't think there's anyone since probably Damien Duff or Robbie Keane who's been as exciting a prospect coming through for Ireland because... The, the, the sheer ability there, and I'll echo what Oshin said about going to Millwall. Not necessarily the fact he's going to Millwall, but the fact he's getting away from Jose, Jose Mourinho for a year because <laughs> we knew he wasn't going to get played there and we knew Mourinho wasn't going to encourage him and embrace him and, and, and bleed, bleed him in the way you need him to be blood in. So I am really excited about Parrot. I can't wait and I'm delighted that Kenny is the manager he's going to first break into Ireland with because he would have been stifled by the previous days. Oh, exciting stuff. Um, so in a month's time on the 8th of October, Ireland meets Slovakia in Bratislava in a Euro 2021 qualifier one-legged semi-final. The winner will meet Bosnia or Northern Ireland on the 12th of November with Nation League games against Wales and Finland in between. Um, so really those are four nice games in quick succession that um, all going well should give us a better picture of Stephen Kelly's Stephen Kenny's Ireland um, Keen Oshin, thanks very much for joining the podcast this evening. Listen, thanks for having me. Thanks for having me.